यू आर लिस्निंग टू अमिंट प्रोडक्शन प्रॉट यू बाय एच टी स्मार्ट कास्ट हेलो वेलकम टू आर पॉडकास्ट सिग्नल एंड द नॉइस that will attempt to give you a peek into the inner workings of mint's long story this is sunit and i am ajay and we are both editors with mint every week either one of us will attempt to walk you through the most defining development in the world of business politics or technology let's dive in hello welcome and thanks for tuning in this week many parts of india are once again staring at a lockdown It's as if we are back in April 2020 and very little has changed. How bad is the covid situation in the country really? How long is this second wave going to last? And if you did get at least one dose of the vaccine, how protected are you right now? Joining me to unpack those and many other important questions is Shahid Jamil, a well-known virologist and currently the head of the School of Biosciences at Ashoka University. Welcome to the show uh, Shahid. So let me first ask you about some of the projections regarding the second wave. Based on a variety of models that you may be aware of or that you might have looked at, when is the peak of the second wave going to come and what is the best and worst case scenario in terms of the daily peak case load? Well Ajay, uh good to be here on your show. I mean I'm not a modeler, so I will simply say what I have read and what i hear from colleagues who are so most people think that uh, our peak is going to be somewhere around late april early may early may and uh, this wave is likely to end by the end of may however as you may already be aware that we are go- growing at a phenomenally high rate in this uh, wave Yesterday, for example, there were 170,000, almost 170,000 new cases, over 900 deaths. Now, the daily growth of the outbreak is about one percent, slightly over one percent. So it's growing every day by one percent. That's quite a high rate. The active cases, on the other hand, are growing by about seven percent, a little over seven percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. based on this some modelers have predicted that india in the worst case scenario might be looking at something like 300000 cases a day uh, 3 wow. lakh cases a day uh, we have certainly crossed 50% of that number right. now whether that will happen or not will of course depend upon you know mainly how people behave and from what one sees around uh these days is not hard to imagine that we may reach those sorts of numbers okay uh so fairly scary scenario okay so i had two clarifications about uh these projections particularly and then we will move on to other things um so assuming it's like let's say since it's a range and it's modeling and we know um it's uh, probabilistic assuming a range of let's say 2 lakh to 3 lakh cases a day is is what we are going to have at the worst uh phase maybe the worst week um i was wondering about mortality 
Um, so during in, during the first phase, about hundred thousand cases were being recorded uh, per day um, mm-hmm. at the height, and and the mortality or deaths was about thousand a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, what should we be preparing for in this wave close to the peak? You know, assuming that the case fatality ratio stays the same, if you have more number of cases. Uh, and we already have almost double the number of cases that we had close to the peak in the first wave. We should have been expecting roughly double the number of uh, serious cases and deaths. That has not happened. I mean, yesterday's uh, tally was uh, about 900 deaths. But one thing we must understand is that the deaths that we saw yesterday Mm-hmm. These people were infected two to three weeks back. Right. So, you know, you look at deaths divided by the numbers two weeks back or three weeks back. And if you do that, then the case fatality ratio is roughly the same that we saw in the first wave, which is uh, around 1.3 to 1.8 or 9. Okay. Uh, so uh, it doesn't look like we are looking at uh, you know reduced mortality in this wave <clears throat> it's very much possible that the cases that we are seeing now a lot of them are coming from rural districts and and also you know less densely populated areas which were last largely spared in the first wave mm. and if that be the case then uh, the recording of deaths from those regions would also not be uh, proper. I understand. Uh, okay. Mm. Is there any merit to, uh, I mean, uh, at least a few weeks back, and I think that view is changing now, that a mortality, you would also refer to it, uh, the mortality rate was lower in this wave because there is some degree of either because of uh, some degree of latent immunity or the disease itself is less virulent this time around. Is there any merit to that at all? Well, one would like to believe that, but then there is no evidence for it. Another scenario could be that there is more awareness. Doctors are able to manage uh, cases better. And that's why there is less mortality. And this has been seen everywhere in the world that Early in the outbreak, if you remember the months of, uh, you know, maybe the first quarter or first five, six months of 2020, the mortality was very high. But then Mm. slowly the mortality started going down. And that is largely because uh, there was accumulating clinical experience, uh, which allowed doctors to manage people better. So it Mm. could be that as well. You know, one one can assume that if a virus like this is infecting so many people around the world, uh, the virus will modulate its uh, uh, its severity. Because one very fundamental aspect of virology is that a dead host is of no use to the virus. Right. Uh, the sole purpose of a virus, like any other living organism, is to make more of itself. And a virus cannot make more itself, more of itself in a dead host. So from an evolutionary perspective, a dead host is a dead end for a virus. 
So, with time, once in a situation like this, a virus has infected enough people, then slowly it will reduce its virulence. And that largely happens through mutations, mutations that are random. So, people who get milder infection are more able to transmit the virus compared to those who have a severe infection. Mm. Uh, severe infection people either die or they are isolated, contained, whereas those who are asymptomatic or those who have milder infections, you know, go around transmitting the virus. So slowly as time goes on, uh, the virulence will be modulated. So it mm. could be that. Uh, but for that, you need uh, really very large studies with uh, lots of genomic sequence analysis and epidemiological correlations. We do have a lot of genomic analysis now across the world. I mean, at last count, there were almost uh, one million sequences uh, of this virus in public databases. But it's the epidemiological correlation which is uh, hard to do. And that usually one finds post facto. You know, it's not done in real time. Yeah. So it mm. could be many, you know, a mixture of many things, basically. Okay. But as of now, uh, just looking at the daily caseload and, and the death numbers per day that we do have, it doesn't, does it seem like the virus is weaker? Which was an inference that some people were drawing a couple of, till a couple of weeks ago. Is that I don't valid? think I have seen enough evidence of that yet. Yes, if you compute the death yesterday versus the new cases yesterday, then we are seeing a mortality of about 0.5%. Okay. But I'm not sure whether this is the true picture. I understand. Okay. So I also wanted to ask you about lockdowns because several states are considering it again. Um, Maharashtra is a good example. Uh, I think they have a cabinet meeting on Wednesday in which they would, they would disclose whether the state is going into lockdown or not. And we have seen this in, in the second and third, third waves in other countries too. So India is not isolated in that sense. Right. Why haven't we learned to manage this a year on without lockdowns? Uh, why do we still need lockdowns? Well, see, there are two things that are able to control a pandemic. One is behavior and the other is pharmacological interventions. So if you look at what happened last year, last year we did not have a vaccine. So we had no access to a pharmacological intervention to beat the pandemic. We only depended upon behavior. We depended upon people to wear masks, people to avoid crowded places and all of that. Initially, that happened, but slowly uh, that went away. Lockdowns are a way of restricting people's movement so that they don't come in contact with each other and they don't, uh, you know, spread the virus. Now, if everyone wore a mask and if everyone wore a mask properly, then uh, we wouldn't be needing lockdowns. Okay. Uh, but it's it's easier said than done for various reasons. Compliance uh, with uh, you know these behaviors is is not uh, is not good. Mm. Uh, and you know it's it's very hard to tell somebody to wear a mask because 
you know they they turn back and and tell you but look at all those political rallies that are happening <laughs> uh you know when the government can allow something like that to happen where a, you know hundreds of thousands of people are gathering in one place where our tallest political leaders are going and addressing those rallies and they don't have a mask where you know millions of people are gathering at one spot to have a bath how can you tell me to wear a mask am i the only one who's spreading this virus and you know there is you can't argue against that argument so you know transparency trust all those are very important for compliance mm. and unfortunately you know we don't see that around okay you uh, you briefly referred to vaccination um as an intervention which is effective um vaccinations have of, have of course kind of acquired some political color in recent weeks but purely from the point of view of what's possible what india can do how many people should we be aiming to vaccinate per day i think the current rate is about 3 million a day is that adequate well uh, firstly experience from places like israel and uk which have really led the world in in vaccination suggest that once you reach a value of somewhere around 35 to 40% of the population with vaccines uh-huh. you start you know bending the pandemic curve towards the baseline if you look at india uh, we are nowhere close to that india as of yesterday had vaccinated 6.5% of its population with one dose Right. and 0.86% of its population with two doses so we are mm. really far off uh, from that number in contrast uh, us has given 33% of its population one dose uk has given it to 48% of its population and israel has given it to 62% of its population so mm. we we really have a long way to go now uh, india actually was in a very good situation because when we opened our vaccination drive on 16th of january this mm-hmm. year we were on a downward curve right uh unfortunately for various reasons hesitancy complacency since you are on a downward curve many people felt that now you know the pandemic is over i don't need to get a vaccine especially when i keep hearing that uh, you know these vaccines have been developed within a year they're not safe this that all kinds of messages are floating around so even healthcare workers who were the first ones and who are really the most at risk uh, didn't take uh, enough vaccines now we are in a in a situation where we have to vaccinate a lot of people on a rising infection curve and that's very very difficult now at yeah. least some of that complacency has gone away but now we have the other problem of a, of a growing pandemic uh, so nevertheless i mean what what is done is done i think the only solution to this is to roll out vaccines as much as possible as quickly as possible because remember a vaccine given to somebody today will take its time to show its effect 4 to 6 weeks after the first dose you get your second dose and only 2 weeks after the second dose you you get full protection from that vaccine so okay. we are looking at a minimum of 6 to 8 weeks that's that's almost one and a half to two months 
Mm. So if it starts vaccinating somebody today, it will take them about two months to attain full immunity. Nevertheless, the results do show that even after the first dose, people have partial protection. The Even if they get infected, the viral load in their body will be reduced. And if the viral mm. load is reduced, they won't transmit as much. So okay. you will start uh, breaking down the pandemic. But now suddenly we don't seem to have enough vaccines. Uh, mm. We do see that many states are complaining. And I don't really understand why that's happening. Because if you go by public documents and if you see how many doses uh, Serum Institute and Bharat Biotech have produced, you know, it comes to roughly 310 to 320 million doses. India has so far used what, only about 120 million doses. About 65 million doses have been exported. Right. So, roughly, let's say, 200 million doses have been used. Mm-hmm. So what happened to the other 120 million doses, 110 to 120 million doses? Mm. It must be somewhere, right? Where is it? We don't know that. Mm. Mm. And I think part of the problem is really economics because the government really hasn't paid for the vaccines. Paid in advance. Yeah, paid in advance. All other countries have booked advanced orders. Right. See, at the end of the day, both Serum Institute and Bharat Biotech are privately owned companies. They don't get government support Mm. to run. So now they they have turned around and said, you know, if you want us to ramp vaccine production, we, you know, Serum says, I need 3,000 crores. Please give us that money. Bharat Biotech says similar things, about 750 crores each for their Hyderabad and Bangalore plants. So, you know, while we are having price control on vaccines made by private limited companies, we are neither giving them large advance orders like every other country has done, nor are we very clear on whether we will support their demand to build extra facilities. And I believe that's holding up not just India's vaccination program, but the vaccines India was supposed to supply elsewhere. You know, Mm. remember, these companies had made some commercial commitments. Uh, Serum Mm. Institute got $300 million from the Gates Foundation Mm. to supply vaccines to the COVAX program. They Mm. are delayed on that. Mm. The vaccines Mm. that India promised Sri Lanka Sri Lanka vaccinated the first round, second round, they don't have vaccine. So, you know, while vaccine donations, India did very well. India should have done that. I'm all for it. So, uh, you know, if anybody is infected anywhere, nobody is safe anywhere. So India's, uh, you know, vaccine diplomacy was a very, very good move. But we have not been able to sustain it because I really think we didn't plan ahead of time. Okay. At least that's mm. what it's like. Okay. And now that the second wave is here and um, you said uh, cases are going to be high at least till mid to end of May, um, which is six to eight weeks uh, from now. So that's quite a, quite a significant spell of time. Apart from lockdowns, which are likely to happen from the looks of it, and a ramp up in vaccination, which has its own limitations, what are, like, let's say, one or two things that that are doable based on past experience because we have been through one wave uh, that states can do uh, that would have the most impact in your mind? 
Well, unfortunately, the only thing that will control it is proper behavior. So clear communication to people why it is important to wear, why is it important to avoid crowded places. Mm. Unfortunately, nothing else is there. Okay. The, you know, there's plenty of virus around. It will find people who are susceptible and it will infect them. Mm. The only strategy is to keep people who are unexposed away from people who are currently infected. Okay. Unfortunately, you don't know who is transmitting because the large number of infections are asymptomatic. So the only way to avoid that is for everyone to be wearing a mask. Mm. Okay. And unfortunately, what we are seeing all around us, uh, you know, doesn't evoke any confidence in, in most people to wear a mask. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask you about mutant strains also, which is widely suspected to be one of the reasons why uh, there is such a rapid surge within a few weeks uh, that where we are today, within just a matter of two, three, two to three weeks, things have changed. Uh, one, firstly, do you think um, that is uh, valid, that some of this is uh, being uh, led by mutant strains, which are more infectious and which is why the upsurge is also much more rapid? Yes, that seems to be the only logical explanation for it. Okay. Nothing then the follow-up. Sure. So then the follow-up uh, question is basically uh, with regard to vaccination. There are we already know that some mutant strains are have immune escape properties. Uh, so whether vaccination ramps up now or not, what happens um, to those people who have already been vaccinated? Let's say three four months down the line, do we have to re-vaccinate them? Yeah, so something that we must understand very clearly about vaccines. All vaccines for COVID do not protect against infection. They protect against disease. Mm. So people who have had a, had a vaccine may get infected. Okay. But they are likely to develop only mild or no symptoms. Somebody who would have had severe disease after vaccination, their chances of getting severe disease is severely reduced. Mm. What they will most likely get is infection, but either no disease or mild disease. So that's true of vaccines all over the world. So this has nothing to do with Indian vaccines or some other vaccines. The mm -hmm. efficacy of all vaccines has been tested only against disease, not against infection. Mm -hmm. And that's also become a problem because a lot of people are avoiding vaccines saying that, you know, so-and-so got vaccinated but got infected, so vaccines are useless. No, they're not. Right. All vaccines have 100% efficacy against severe disease and mortality. What no. the vaccine will do is protect you from death, to be very blunt. I don't mind getting infected as long as the disease keeps under control. So that's one very important point to understand. Mm. Now, while some mutations develop that will partially escape uh, antibody responses, but, you know, there are other kinds of responses also, T-cell responses, which will control the infection, which mm. will control the disease. Mm. So, yes, while mutants are of concern, 
not getting vaccinated because we worry about mutations is a very very foolish thing to do mm. you know vaccines are like seed belts in your car you know seed belts in your car will not prevent you from getting into an accident but if you get into an accident they will save you from severe injury mm. that's what vaccines are mm. so to expect a seat belt to prevent an accident would be foolish mm. and that is the same way with vaccines mm. okay so uh, assuming um, then they may not have to be revaccinated would do you think some kind of booster dose mechanism is what we will end up with as we go forward of course um of course we are speculating that uh, is possible right. that is possible depends on what sort of mutants emerge depends on what sort of uh, uh you know data we have uh south african variant for example is evading uh antibodies more successfully and that we have seen in real life also because of two recent vaccine trials that happened in south africa as well as elsewhere in the world mm. so the johnson and johnson vaccine tested in us showed about i think it showed 90 or 96% efficacy mm-hmm. the same vaccine tested in south africa showed only about 60% efficacy okay the novavax vaccine showed 90 plus percent efficacy in uh in us it showed only 49% efficacy in south africa same vaccine mm. the reason was that in south africa at that time the south african variant was spreading quite widely and that virus uh, escaped uh, immune responses and made people uh, you know infected and develop uh, symptoms Mm. Mm. So we've seen this in real life also so it really depends on which mutant you're talking about uh for the mutants that are circulating in india we don't yet know how they are evading immunity uh work is on we may know in in a few weeks time but at this point we don't know. right okay i mean it's quite strange that a year on um, we still have unanswered questions about coronavirus despite the massive scientific effort that has been mounted um so um, so the last thing i really wanted to ask is is the question that is on everyone's mind these days which is when does this end um i know i am asking you to gaze into a crystal ball but uh, but what is a realistic end date for this uh, both the second surge and the pandemic well the second surge uh, of course it will end at different times in different places the pandemic will also end at different times in different places mm-hmm. it will depend upon how quickly we are able to vaccinate uh, you know a significant amount of our population mm-hmm. uh, the virus eventually will reduce its virulence we will go from the pandemic to annual localized outbreaks and the virus will become endemic whether that happens over the next 4 to 5 years or whether it takes about 10 years to happen 20 years to happen i don't know it all depends on how effective the vaccines remain how many people we are able to vaccinate and most importantly 
how individuals behave yeah, particularly about india uh, since you mentioned vaccination based on current rate it seems like we will vaccinate a significant portion of our population by sometime next year actually middle of next year maybe so essentially does that mean we have to be prepared for uh, possible waves at least till then yes unfortunately yes okay or That's- or you know enough people get infected and have some protection uh but yes that's the scenario okay. what we're looking at okay well uh, thanks a lot for uh, joining shahid and this is really helpful you clarified a lot of things uh, a lot of questions that many people have these days and i hope uh, we come out of this um, uh, better and i hope uh, the behavior changes that you mentioned uh, kind of take root at some point thanks shahid thank you you have been listening to the signal and the noise we would love to hear from you reach out to us on facebook twitter and instagram on at ht smartcast or you can also reach out to us personally at sunita rora and at aj axiom to listen to more such interesting podcasts do log on to htsmartcast.com we'll be back next week with a new story another fresh voice or a unique take on the world do stay well until then and keep supporting good journalism this was a mint production brought to you by hd smartcast hd smartcast